It's Thanksgiving week. So you know what that means. People are hungry. They are ready to feast. They are prepared to consume and consume and consume. That's right. The day is here. Black Friday is upon us. And Americans are ready to hit those sales. But while the commercials are singing the praises of the upcoming Black Friday extravaganzas, the news shows and social media are bound to report another growing holiday tradition in our consumer-driven society. The protest against companies whose policies offend their customers' religious and political sensibilities. Today, we're going to talk about putting your money where your mouth is on Into the Wardrobe. Hey, we're back. It's Stephanie and Joan. We are talking at something that... Unfortunately, is always surrounding the Christmas time. When we think of Thanksgiving and Christmas and those wonderful holidays that we spend time with family, we like to remember the Christmas music, the decorations, the family time, just sitting around the fire and enjoying a cup of eggnog. However, we tend to forget something else that comes in the holiday season, as Joe had mentioned, and that is the controversies that surround where I can and cannot shop. And where I can and cannot eat based on my religious views and political views also. So often we are going around scouting for our Christmas presents and shopping. And then we get hungry. And then unfortunately we have to ask ourselves, hmm, where can I eat? And then is it okay if I give that company my money because they may or may not support something that I agree with religiously or politically? This is the question that seems kind of silly to ask, but it is something that we see in today's culture over and over again with controversies of different companies throughout America. One of my many personal stories of this is um, my mom and I had a conversation a couple of years ago about the ever-growing franchise of Walmart, and we're going to dive a little deeper into some of the controversies that surround them. She was jumping on the bandwagon to boycott Walmart during the holiday season, because they refused to say Merry Christmas. Even when you initiated, they had to say Happy Holidays. And she was very passionate. She got even a pin that she wore on her jacket saying, it's okay to wish me Merry Christmas. And I remember talking with her and we got kind of into a little heated discussion because I understand where you're coming from. And I'm, I agree with your, your you know ability to shop where you want and boycott what you want. But then I reminded her that... That view also has to be respected that when people choose to boycott a company that she may or may not agree with, to understand that that's their right too, and you can't get angry at someone for doing the exact same thing that you do. While we started off the episode kind of talking about the fact that there seems to be these boycotts that show up around Christmas time with companies not wanting to say Merry Christmas, etc., and, and we will talk about that because I think that's probably the biggest boycott that people think of when relating to Walmart, though I'll tell you, my brother also boycotts Walmart even to this day, and it's not over the Christmas issue at all, but rather his concern is about low wages and so forth, which is another thing that many people complain about with Walmart. And as we were doing research, one of the things I came across was there is actually a Boycott Walmart Facebook page that was created in March of 2015. Now, the page itself doesn't seem to have 
a real focus. In fact, as I read through previous posts, it seemed like just a lot of rants from here and there, even somebody complaining about buying a loaf of bread that had some mold on it, because we all know, of course, Walmart is the only place that will ever happen. But uh, as they described what their boycott was about, they said that they want to show Walmart that they don't support unfair labor practices, cheap Chinese factory, labor outsourcing, child labor, unsafe working conditions for those factory workers, insufficient pay and benefits for, for employees, substandard customer service, which I still wonder why there's 23 checkout lanes and only three checkout people. But anyway, they even talk about boycotting Walmart because of the cheap merchandise which to some degree I think is part of what makes Walmart Walmart. And so you might want to ask what the difference is between boycotting versus simply choosing to go to another store that has the kind of quality merchandise that you would desire. But the Facebook page does demonstrate that Walmart is clearly a target when it comes to some of these boycotts. Now, back in 2005, the real big one blew up when a woman who was curious about Something that happened at a Walmart, uh, I believe she had said Merry Christmas to an employee who responded back something about needing to say Happy Holidays. So the woman reached out to customer service about this and received an email back. And, and this is the text of the email. It says, Walmart is a worldwide organization and must remain conscious of this. The majority of the world still has different practices other than our, quote, Christmas, unquote, which has its roots in Siberian shamanism. The colors associated with quote-unquote Christmas, red and white, are actually a representation of the Amanita mascara mushroom. Santa is also borrowed from the Caucasus, mistletoe from the Celts, Yule log from the Goths, the thyme from the Visigoth, and the tree from the worship of Baal. It is a wide, wide world. Now, I think we can all agree that it makes sense for a company to market its products to the widest population it possibly can, and nobody's going to fault a corporation for desiring to provide many goods and services for different types of people recognizing the pluralistic society we live in today. Although I have to say some of these points about Christmas are kind of odd and off, and it just seems like they were dodging the issue of, is there one particular religious holiday that you're trying to avoid over and against other holidays at the same time period? So, not satisfied with this very elusive email, this woman then turned to the Catholic League in New York, asking them or making them aware of what had happened in the email. So they followed up with an email that stated, as a retailer, we recognize some of our customers may be shopping for Hanukkah or Kwanzaa gifts during this time of year, and we certainly want these customers in our stores and to feel welcome, just as we do those buying for Christmas. As an employer, we recognize the significance of the Christmas holiday among our family of associates and close our stores in observance, the only day during the year we are closed. Now, uh, the representative of the Catholic League kind of mocked that Walmart picked a federal holiday to close their stores on. But let's face it, they picked only one particular federal holiday, Christmas. They didn't pick the 4th of July or, or anything else. And, and so I, I think we have to give some credence there to what Walmart says. And I would totally support the fact that they have every right and purpose to supply 
gifts for people who are celebrating a religious holiday like Hanukkah or even a cultural political holiday like Kwanzaa. The protesters went on to say that they got into the Walmart website and searched for Christmas there and nothing came up. But instead they were redirected to a site where things were labeled as holiday. Then they searched under Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and items came up in both those queries. Now, I got this information from the World Net Daily, and they had said that they went back, and when they checked it out, there was a secondary link to Christmas stuff, and, and so it did seem like there was a connection there. I went and looked it up yesterday just to see what happened. I typed Christmas into the Walmart.com query, and I got over a million hits. I typed up Hanukkah, I typed Kwanzaa, and I got far less number of hits. So whether or not the people who were protesting got Christmas back into Walmart, it does seem like they got what they wanted. And on one hand, I think Walmart has every right to market merchandise to whomever they want. But it does kind of beg the question, why mask the word Christmas online in an attempt to gain more customers? Why hide something to gain customers rather than merely display those other things in the other niches you're going after? It's not like they were really trying to market plastic holiday trees to a bunch of pagans. So while I don't think there was anything inherently bad about their desire to reach out to different groups, I do think there was something there where it was targeted against uh, perhaps what might be considered the majority holiday, at least in the United States at that time period. Ultimately, the big irony for me is when you wish somebody a happy holiday, do some English grammar, break up your root words. All the term means is happy, holy day. And what's one of the holiest days of all? The day we celebrate the incarnation of God in flesh. Now, of course, Walmart isn't the only place that has the Christmas controversy. Just last week, I was walking through school carrying my cup of Starbucks, and a student walked up to me and said, does that cup offend you? And she totally caught me off guard. I didn't know what she was talking about. And I looked down and realized, okay, I'm carrying my peppermint white chocolate mocha. I know Stephanie is like really rolling her eyes at my foo-foo coffee. And I said, what are you talking about? And she said, the cup, because Starbucks is doing away with Christmas. And I, and I look at my cup, which seemed to have some winter holiday Christmas-ish designs on it. And I shrugged my shoulder and I said, yeah, I know that was a big deal a couple of years ago, but I'll tell you what really offended me is when I first started going to Starbucks, people could submit little quotes that they would publish on the cups. And so everybody had a chance to have their say and you'd get a cup with some generic person from somewhere in the middle of nowhere, Iowa, having their little flash of life wisdom. I miss those cups. But Stephanie, let's face it, the Christmas cup controversy of Starbucks is still alive and well. Well, first of all, Joe, what in the world are you drinking? That is the most girliest drink I have ever heard, and I think you have lost man points. As you've said, you need to go cut some wood later to gain those points back. But yeah, it seems kind of funny that we joke about it, but the Starbucks cup controversy has been going on for years, and I roll my eyes at it because it's just absolutely obnoxious. We need to keep in mind that 
you know, air quotes, Christian symbols are not snow and snowmen and reindeer and ribbons, but we like to say that they are. From 2009 to 2014, Starbucks did have what we would say maybe holiday symbols on their Christmas cups. They're usually red cups with a white silhouette of a reindeer, snowflakes, or sledding, or at times you could argue that they are Christian symbols because they are Christmas ornaments. But in 2015, the controversy starts, of course, where they go to a completely red cup. And Christians all over the world are saying they're removing Christianity from their company when I would argue they never did have Christianity in the company. They were just making a pretty cup, and it may or may not have been tied to the religious holidays of the season. The vice president of Starbucks then said, They are not removing symbols of the season. They're usher in the holidays with a pure design of what welcomes all of our stories. So I asked the question, is it really a war on Christmas? John Habib quotes on his blog um, a very interesting thing. So, quote, I love Christmas and want all to know and come to the knowledge of Christ. But why do Christians expect every company must cater to our religious beliefs? Is it a war on Christmas? It is a war on Christmas if they attack it. It's not a war if they simply refrain from fighting. This controversy has allowed people to look at Starbucks a little bit closer and does raise deeper questions. The cup thing, I think, is kind of silly. But as the controversy came to light, it does raise a deeper question. Where does our money go after we give it to companies? And the controversy, I would argue, Starbucks is not over the cups, but where that money does go to The Family Council website shows us that Starbucks is listed among the many manufacturers that support Planned Parenthood. So it does make you take a moment and think, is this a company that I do want to support even if my $4, was it a peppermint mocha latte with glitter on top? Girly drink. Is that really appropriate that those $4 go towards something that maybe you do not religiously agree with? This really does raise a deeper question, like you said, Stephanie. And as we were looking a little bit into this, I came across a website called RC Spirituality. And there's an answer to this question from a father, Edward McNeil. And what he says is that as this person had asked him that very question about Starbucks, He says, what you're talking about is something that is known as the material cooperation and evil. And he continues to say, unfortunately, it is almost impossible for any of us to avoid this kind of cooperation completely. He makes some really interesting points, particularly that not only when you're buying these products that go back to the company who in turn maybe passes these on to different charitable organizations that you may disagree with, but part of it goes back to the sales tax. And the fact that sometimes the government is taking this money and applying it to things that we don't agree with as well. That's going to drive us back to the very question of, do we pay taxes at all? Now, in that very clear and concise point, we do have Jesus' admonition to pay to Caesar what is Caesar's and to give to God what is God's. But there's something to be said within our Christian conscience to consider how it is we want to spend the money and how we are using our financial force to guide the things in society that are being promoted through economic means. Now, Stephanie, you and I are both very, very strong uh, pro-life supporters. 
And so throwing down a gauntlet like Planned Parenthood, who is, if not the biggest in fact, at the very least, the biggest in essence promoter of abortion in America, that really does kind of fly in the face of some of our very strongly held standards. That's not to get into uh, an abortion debate necessarily, but just to recognize the debate is, do I want to be supporting a company that provides a product I love, even though I've been greatly shamed and I'm afraid to go back now, and recognizing that a small portion, even if it's half a cent, um, that I pay may in fact go to a charitable organization that I'm very much against. Now, it could be that Starbucks also gives to charitable organizations that I do encourage, Oklahoma School for Boys or something. And can I just say in my head, well, the part that I bought, that's going to the to the charity that I like. Am I materially participating in evil? Meaning I'm helping it in some small way. And yet, if that is the case, living in this fallen world, where can I draw the line in a way that makes sense? to keep myself unstained from the world because the reality is this is everywhere and it's inescapable and it's not just some big conglomerate like Walmart. It's not just the number one coffee company, Starbucks everywhere I go and with whom I interact, my money is going to places that I may not always support. Now, some argue that once the money has exchanged hands, all you're doing is buying the good that has been produced in terms of a moral responsibility. Now that that money has been given over, it is the moral responsibility of the agency who has the money as to how it's used, and so you're essentially absolved from any evil doing. But on the other hand, the reason we have these boycotts is because in our American tradition, we recognize that the use of economic power strategically can control behavior, and if I choose not to attempt to control the behavior that I disagree with, am I in fact participating with it? Now, finally, as I ask that, am I absolved because I can't do it alone? And as nice as the story is about the little boy throwing starfish back into the ocean and a man comes along and says, there's no way you can possibly save them all, and the boy picks one more up and tosses it into the ocean, and says, well, I saved that one. My choosing alone to go or not go to a place like Starbucks is not going to have any economic impact on what Starbucks chooses to do with its corporate donations. Another controversy that's kind of popped up over the last couple of days is Keurig, that little small K-cup that you put in your machine and it makes you a single cup of coffee. I use it because we have it at our work, and it's an easy thing to go get between classes. However, um, Keurig sponsors Sean Hannity, who's on Fox News. And the controversy started when Sean Hannity had had the infamous, maybe not a good word to use for Roy Moore, but the alleged child molester of the Republican Party. And Sean Hannity had interviewed him and said, you know, before we make judgments, we need to wait till everything comes to air and then look at it as innocent till proven guilty. Because of this, the left wing called up one of his sponsors, Keurig, and told them that all their fans outraged and they are no longer going to buy Keurig. Keurig, before doing the research, as I've been told based on my research, 
pulled their advertisement from Sean Hannity immediately. Well, they're using their First Amendment right to be able to boycott or protest whatever they want. But it had the exact opposite effect that we thought with me talk about Starbucks and Walmart being boycotted, where people were so furious with Keurig for pulling their advertisement from Sean Hannity, they began to record themselves destroying their Keurig machines. There is viral videos of people going to the chainsaw with their, dropping it off a third story floor. So Sean Hannity first tweeted that he thought these videos were absolutely, he loved it, responded to the boycott, but later asked fans to hold off and state that, as recognized, it got caught up and misled by a bigot. And as time continues to go on, we see new allegations arise. We see allegations against Al Franken and all of the Hollywood controversy surrounding sexual harassment. However, it does make us take a moment and say maybe we need to pause, gather all our facts, and not let our decisions be ruled on our emotions based on what is evident. I love the fact that you take us back to taking a deep breath, being a little bit rational about these elements of boycotting, and recognizing that there are some serious issues afoot and these are things that are not going to be resolved very simply. The, the reality is we live in a messy world and we aren't going to have perfection. And yet at the same time, we live in a messy world with other human beings who are just as messy as you and I are. And so uh, the big controversy that ironically I think ends on an incredibly positive note and something that we can take away is the Chick-fil-A boycott. If you remember this famous boycott from 2012, Dan Caffey, who was one of the people in charge of the Chick-fil-A franchise, one of the family members, had made a comment about being in favor of traditional biblical views on marriage. Now, his statement was pretty much exactly what I just said. That was taken as an attack against gay marriage and many of the pro-gay marriage rights that were starting to happen at the time. And so a protest was planned of the Chick-fil-A stores in order to stand against what was being perceived as Chick-fil-A attacking the gay rights agenda. Now, I'm oversimplifying it, to be fair, because beyond that was the concern that Chick-fil-A was supporting organizations that were less than tolerant of gay rights policies. One of the big examples I came across was the fact that Chick-fil-A was supporting Fellowship of Christian Athletes, which as a Christian organization had in its bylaws, um, I believe it was in its bylaws, that they are going to support a a biblical concept of sexual expression within the confines of marriage and that their leaders were expected to be celibate outside of the traditional biblical view of marriage. Well, again, you talk about backlash, and it really shows maybe even the geographical political split in our society today in that some Chick-fil-A franchises were really kind of empty that day. But the vast majority of the Chick-fil-A franchises had lines out the door as the supporters of Chick-fil-A and a concept of, of standing behind that biblical view of marriage showed up in droves in order to support the company to say, we're not going to let you go down in this. And so clearly there was lots of controversy going on. But out of all of this, Dan Cathy, who was the figure at the heart of it, 
as a committed Christian, took it upon himself in a very non-public way to reach out to one of the promoters of the protest against his company, not to attack the man, not to try to convince him to change his mind, but to actually reach out to him. And so in what has become one of my favorite articles I've read in the last couple of years, this is a Huffington Post article entitled, Dan and Me, Coming Out as a Friend of Dan Cathy and Chick-fil-A. And uh, this man, Shane Windmere, who is a leader, founder of Campus Pride, which is a pretty predominant gay rights group on college campuses across the country, talks about Dan Cathy reaching out to him. And in his article in Huffington Post, he talks about the fact that they began these conversations when, when Dan Cathy reaches out to him, and that in these conversations, Dan really expressed a sincere interest in his life, getting to know about Shane, his partner Tommy, and in turn, he says, I learned about his wife and kids and gained an appreciation for his devout belief in Jesus Christ and his commitment to being a follower of Christ more than a Christian. He said that Dan expressed regret and genuine sadness for when people take the Chick-fil-A controversy to attack people who are of the LGBT community. And they continued to really grow and dialogue and talk to each other. And he recalls that later on that year, he was invited to be on the sidelines with Dan Cathy at the Chick-fil-A Bowl. And he said, as they were talking on the sidelines with Dan, his wife, his family, friends, and I all enjoying the game. And that is why building a relationship with someone I thought I would never understand mattered. Our worlds, different as they can be, could coexist peacefully. The millions of college football fans watching the game never could have imagined what was playing out that right in front of them. Gay and straight, liberal and conservative, activist and evangelist, we could stand together in our difference and our respect. How much better would the world be if more could do the same? And what a powerful story of people looking through the politics and all of the charged polemical talk to reach out and recognize the common humanity in those with whom we have political and religious disagreements and have genuine conversation so that out of that genuine conversation, respect can grow. And maybe, maybe as that respect grows, that common understanding will help us be able to communicate in a stronger and more powerful way the strength of the valid moral arguments and even help us see times when maybe we've overstepped the bounds and we need to pull back in recognition of our desire to be those agents of a loving God who don't capitulate to positions that rise up when our standards are unpopular, but yet we don't use that as an excuse to take fellow human beings and shove them down into holes either. So we need to act out our conscience, and some of that might mean making sacrifices, and other times it may say, where are we being pulled religiously and spiritually? St. Paul goes into a little bit of detail about this in, in his letter to the Romans in Romans fourteen twenty verses 20 through 23. And he says, do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself, 
for what he approves. But whoever has doubts, it condemns if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. So you're probably still confused as I am. Where do we draw the line? Is eating at franchises that we agree with or disagree with okay? Or shopping at a business that may or may not endorse something that is approved by our religious convictions? What do we do? This is a catastrophe. Do we survive in today's society and thrive or do we abandon it and struggle? And as Joe eloquently pointed out to me, rescue is coming. We can stress about these all day long and lean one way or the other. But the great thing is, is we know that Christ is our salvation and eating or not eating in one place will not determine our eternal salvation. Join us on this quest to discover the eucatastrophe hidden in the world around us as we explore life, imagination, and everything. Narnia is just one of the many worlds visited by Lewis's literary children. Who knows where we'll end up when we jump into the wardrobe.